You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Oh my God! Wicked weather hammers the south coast once again from piles of snow to pouring rain. Good evening and thanks very much for joining us. We start tonight with the ugly conditions on the roads. Blustery weather hitting drivers with rain, wind and snow. It's ugly out there. Stretches of Highway 1 closed due to an avalanche risk and warnings the heavy downpour could cause flash flooding and pooling water. Our Sarah McDonald is out in the elements for us tonight. Sarah, you're in Stanley Park where they've also seen some flooding there. That's right, Sophie. Well, some localized flooding, at least on the roadways here. And this is just one of the areas seeing conditions like this in what has been just an ugly day right across the south coast. Virtually no region left spared by this weather system that has brought with it dozens of warnings still in place right across the province tonight. Conditions like these in Metro Vancouver and the Fraser Valley oh my God. are only getting messier and more dangerous at higher elevations. A winter storm warning in place for mountain passes and highways like the Sea to Sky Corridor, and for good reason. We like the snow, we like skiing, and maybe today is a little bit too much on the highway. <laughs> it's getting worse and worse. If you don't have chains or the proper tires, maybe stay home. Because all-season tires simply won't cut it in these conditions. Motorists now being warned to stay off mountain passes if possible, as all that snow continues to fall. Raising the risk of it sliding, and not only in the backcountry. Avalanche concerns shutting down a portion of Highway 1 east of Revelstoke Thursday with no detour. So you've been here for hours. Uh... I am around like, yeah, like almost half day, you can say. It's better than getting buried in an avalanche. Further south and along the coast, we aren't in the clear either. All that precipitation falling as rain and pooling in some places. Sitting water and localized flooding posing a very real risk. I uh, got up to there and I thought I better stop. Though not one any bona fide West Coasters aren't accustomed to yet. I'm just checking out how bad the flooding is and whether we need to move our cars from that building there because it turns into an island. Yeah, there's a nice walking path all along there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, was. The South Coast once again searching for a reprieve from the rain as the new year begins the same way the last one ended. And there is some good news on that front. This rain is expected to let up somewhat by this time tomorrow. However, we will still be looking at dangerous road conditions well into the weekend. So motorists are once again being advised to watch for sitting water on the roads like you see behind me here in Stanley Park and stay off those mountain passes and highways if at all possible. However, Sophie, if you do need to make that trip, motorists are being advised once again to make sure they have the proper snow tires. No tires and chains. All right. Thanks for that, Sarah. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with much more on how much rain we've seen so far and what's to come, Yvonne. Yeah, it's been impressive. Here's an update of what we see now. Port Mellon over 118 millimeters. The House Sound area has been the hardest hit. And we're keeping a close eye out of the airport. It could be record breaking. This could be the wettest on record. So we are looking at that and some of the numbers for snowfall. A significant amount. Whistler picking up over 50 centimeters. Rogers passed similar. Unofficial numbers. 
numbers, areas near golden up to 19 or 20 centimeters. The bulk of the moisture will still continue to fall this evening. It'll ease off, though. We're looking at a chance of showers, and the snow is going to taper off if you're heading along the mountain passes. But through this evening, an additional 10 and up to 20 millimeters with the rainfall warning that is still in effect for Metro Vancouver. And along the mountain passes, a winter storm warning for the Rogers and Kootenai Pass with upwards of 20 and close to 50 centimeters. I'll have more on that coming up shortly. So. All right, thanks for that, Yvonne. Two men are in custody after shots fired at a house in the Guildford area of Surrey last night. A dark-colored SUV was reported driving away from the 14,000 block of 115A Avenue with its headlights off. The vehicle was later located by RCMP and three people were detained. Since that time, one has been released and two remain in custody, a male in his 40s and a male in his 30s. The Honda has been seized as part of the investigation. No injuries occurred from this shooting, and nobody was inside the residence at the time of the shooting. A WestJet flight bound for Palm Springs was delayed today by an accident on the tarmac. Flight 1722 from Vancouver to Palm Springs was just pushing back from the gate at YVR when passengers heard a pop and looked out the window to see a catering truck below the wing. WestJet says all guests and crew were safely offloaded and put onto a different flight. One of the passengers we spoke with had praise for how the airline handled the incident. They said it was uh, the ground crew's truck who hit our plane, not our plane hitting the truck, but whatever, and that we, uh, the plane was damaged, the wing was damaged, and that we would have to get on an, uh, another plane. So they took us back to the gate, and within 20 minutes of waiting there, they announced that they found another plane on the domestic side. They were going to bring it over, and we'd be leaving at about 11, uh, about 12.30. A nasty surprise for a group of residents in Vancouver collecting Christmas donations for a deserving family. The donations were being left under a tree in the lobby of their East Vancouver condo. They were meant for a Syrian family, but before they could be delivered, the gifts disappeared, and it was all caught on camera. When residents went to check the surveillance video, they discovered two people appeared to sneak in the building just as someone was leaving and used a baby stroller to load up the presents and take off. These refugee families, we're responsible for them for a year, everything financially, and um, with rent in Vancouver, that hits the budget hard. We try to supplement them as much as we can, and the people here, especially in my building, have been great help with clothing and gift certificates, and then they loaded up under the tree for them. And I, I even brought the mother into the lobby when I had them over and showed her all the gifts. And I said, this is coming to you on January 4th. Well, Judy points out it's a lesson for condo residents, too, about why asking everyone to fob in and not just let people in is so important. She's hoping to collect more food and gifts for the family over the coming days. At least two Metro Vancouver cities are taking action to address the deadly dangers associated with donation bins. Homeless advocates call those bins death traps for the vulnerable. The District of West Vancouver is temporarily closing all of its bins, and Vancouver has so far removed all, almost all of its bins. Nadia Stewart reports. The city of Vancouver says it is reviewing the use of these clothing donation bins on private property. Bins already restricted on public property since last summer when a woman became trapped and died inside. 
But City Councilor Gene Swanson says they should be temporarily banned here and nationwide until a safer alternative is found. It's tragic, but it's also ironic because why do people put stuff in there? Because they want people who need it to get it. Why do people go to get stuff? It's because they need it. And yet, when they try to get what they need, they die. This bin at Granville and West 41st is now gone, but there is still a bin near Granville and West 10th on an Impark parking lot. There are also bins outside some Vancouver and Surrey fire halls, though these facilities are staffed 24 hours a day. They're a magnet for donations. Restrictions are already in place in Surrey and Burnaby. Since 2015, five people have died after becoming stuck in bins such as these. Just days ago, a man became trapped and died in West Vancouver, prompting the district to issue a temporary ban. Our staff are moving through uh, the district uh, as we speak, um, sealing them shut. But advocates say more sweeping action needs to be taken across the province, or else another death by way of these bins is inevitable. And they're dying horrific deaths potentially hanging from a bin with their feet dangling, not touching the ground as they suffer. There are so many dangers and risks that can kill somebody who's homeless. A donation bin shouldn't be one of them. Nadia Stewart, Global News. And late this afternoon, Inclusion BC reached out to Global News to tell us they are pulling all of their 146 donation bins across the province pending a safety review. An update now on a mother and two children found unresponsive in a vehicle in Abbotsford on Boxing Day. Emergency crews called to the 33700 block of Claiborne Road where they found the family unconscious. Investigators have determined the vehicle came to rest against a guardrail when the driver pulled over to the side of the road. All three occupants were overcome by carbon monoxide poisoning prior to being discovered by two citizens passing by. The mother and her five-year-old were released from hospital today. The three-year-old is expected to be released early next week. Right now, though, nearly 24 hours after Team Canada's heartbreaking elimination from the World Juniors in Vancouver, hockey fans are still dissecting the strange bounce and the broken hockey stick that contributed to that terrible outcome. The loss has also brought out the worst in some people, sparking a renewed debate about cyberbullying in the age of social media. No golden goal, no celebrations. Just a miserable day outside Rogers Arena. No. Team Canada done for another year in under 20 hockey. Tavidia works in, drops, shoots, score! And as soon as the Finns scored in overtime, tickets for the semi-final and final cratered. Hey, Vancouver tickets. Canadians unloading any ticket at any price. It's a sad situation. The realization has finally set in to the North Americans that hockey is no longer Canada's game. Down the other end of the this is the worst finish for a Canadian junior team on home ice. And while sports pundits pass the blame around, social media has put it squarely on the shoulders of Maxime Comtois, who missed a penalty shot to keep the Finnish team alive. The vitriol forcing Comtois to issue a statement through his agent, calling the shameful behavior from anonymous trolls cowardly. The coach of the U.S. team says it's hard for young men to ignore what's posted online. We're trying to take care of each other throughout this process and help each other uh, through those peaks and valleys, whether it's something like social media or a bad hockey game. Go, Canada, go! The tournament has been a huge economic driver for the city. Bars packed with fans. And while it will be quieter without the red and white... It is disappointing. The atmosphere won't quite be the same, but, you know, people still got to do it because people love hockey. Overall, 
The city and the region stand to make tens of millions of dollars in tourist spin-off. Hockey Canada alone themselves booked 4,000 room nights. We're hopefully still estimating direct impact of over 30 million, um, and the, the tickets are sold. What do you do with tickets if you have them and can't sell them? Go watch some of the best hockey in the world for a bargain basement price. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. If you bought a lottery ticket one year ago in Victoria and lost it, let's hope it stays lost. That's because the deadline has now passed to claim that million-dollar prize. The Lottery Corporation has been waiting all year for the winner to come forward. But as of 4.30 this afternoon, it's too late. The unclaimed money now goes back into the pot. The Lottery Corp says $5.2 million worth of winnings have gone unclaimed in the past decade. The logging of Brazil's Amazon rainforest is being held up as one of the worst examples of environmental destruction. But some say there's a similar problem here in B.C. In fact, the environmental group Sierra Club says B.C. has a worse record of forest management in one part of the province. Linda Aylesworth tells us where they say things need to change fast. When we think of deforestation, the Amazon in Brazil most often comes to mind. This is the largest tropical rainforest on the planet and it's already been reduced to about 80% of its former size. And with the recent election of Brazilian President Bolsonaro, the pace of deforestation is expected to increase. Here you have old growth logging in very steep slopes. But the Sierra Club of BC says our province is perhaps even more guilty where our own temperate rainforests are concerned. Today we have only about 20% of the productive, the big tree old growth left. And uh, we have lost 30% of what remained 25 years ago. The rules, they say, are fuzzy. The oversight nearly non-existent. And so many of our ancient giants continue to be cut down. The consequences, more than merely aesthetic. It stores more carbon than any other ecosystem on the planet per hectare. So that's why we have a very significant global responsibility. The Forest Ministry says it's committed to modernizing the land use planning process and managing old growth forests is a vital component of that. And yet... There's no meaningful action since the new government took power a year and a half ago. Um, there was a promise. They have not delivered. In the meantime, there is evidence of protected trees, hundreds of years old, being cut down in valleys like the Nomint in Vancouver Island. The government's own investigation into the matter has not been released. Freedom of information requests yet to be responded to. The Sierra Club is calling on the government to do what it recently did for the Great Bear Rainforest on the central coast, where vast swaths of old growth are now protected. We have proven in the Great Bear Rainforest that solutions for the rainforest and for communities are possible. Now's the time to do it across the province. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. And some troubling news for the critically endangered southern resident orca population. Scientists believe two more are at risk of dying by summertime. Kylie Stanton has more on the evidence that indicates the whales are starving and what's believed to be the cause. It's no secret the southern resident killer whales are struggling. In recent months, lives have been lost, bringing the population to the lowest point in three decades. 
And now scientists warn others are on the brink. The southern resident killer whale population is in dire straits. It's uh, 75 animals now and it'll be down to 73 if we lose these next two individuals. They slow down just a teeny bit. According to the Center for Whale Research, this encounter on December 31st in Harrow Strait showed J-17 near the group, but not socializing. Even more concerning, she was exhibiting what's known as peanut head, a sign of malnutrition. They are so emaciated that they become skinny. It's like we would see our ribs or our, our bones, and when the fats around their head have been so dissipated, that exposes the shape of their skull. And that gives this peanut look. But J-17 isn't the only ailing orca. K-25, a 25-year-old male, began showing signs of declining health last fall. He lost his mother, K-13, last year, who he relied on for food. And he's been steadily losing weight ever since. He's languishing. He's, he's not, he doesn't have the energy that he should have. Scientists say it comes down to the lack of the primary food source, Fraser River Chinook salmon. Bold action is what our government is taking. But despite fisheries closures in the works and newly established critical habitat areas, there's still a shortage for the whales. Fisheries and Oceans Canada says it's looking at options. We can uh, explore the opportunities for creating uh, kill whale sanctuaries or uh, uh, protected areas uh, to reduce activities uh, broader than just fishing activities. In the meantime, they're all working too hard to find food, pushing themselves to their limits. And then there's the emotional toll, probably best summed up with this photo showing J35 carrying her dead calf for 17 straight days this past summer. Kylie Stanton, Global News. The beginning of a new era in American politics today with Democrats officially taking control of the House of Representatives. The new split government begins with the swearing in of the House Speaker, a somewhat bizarre news conference by the President, and signs of many showdowns to come. Congratulations, Madam Speaker. Today belongs to her. I now call the House to order on behalf of all of America's children. But Nancy Pelosi's second speakership may be shaped by him, a president confronting a new political universe. Congratulations, each and every one of you. As a triumphant Pelosi and her party take over the House. But let each of us pledge that when we disagree, we respect each other and we respect the truth. Sworn in during a shutdown standoff, Pelosi's promising progress on climate, health care and immigration. But with Republicans still controlling the Senate, Congress still has to compromise. Democrats plan more investigations on the president's tax returns, potential conflicts of interest and dealings with Russia, with Pelosi not ruling out impeachment. We shouldn't be impeaching for a political reason and we shouldn't avoid impeachment for a political reason. At the Capitol, a sign of change. At the White House, a new reality. I just want to start off by congratulating Nancy Pelosi. The president taking no questions today. I think it's unfortunate that um, you've got a, an incoming speaker already talking about indictments and impeachment when this president is talking about border security and infrastructure. The president is facing divided government. Is he ready for this? I think the president is ready. I think he has a natural good relationship with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. Shutdown negotiations suggest otherwise. Democrats on day 13 moving to reopen government without border wall money. The GOP will reject it. I would call it political theater, not productive lawmaking. 
That stalemate frustrates Coast Guard employees like Jamie Jenkins. That's not something that we want to do is have to send letters to our creditor and say that we can't pay our bills. Tomorrow, lawmakers are invited back to the White House, the president and now speaker face to face, but hardly eye to eye. Hallie Jackson, NBC News, the White House. There are reports tonight that the American citizen who's been held in Russia has been charged now with espionage. 48-year-old Paul Whelan was arrested on Monday and is being held in solitary confinement in a Moscow prison. His family says he was in Russia for a wedding. Whelan is a former Marine who was court-martialed for several misdeeds, including larceny and passing bad checks, and has been traveling to Russia at least since 2006. He faces up to 20 years in prison. Shares in Apple took a tumble today after a warning that spooked the market. CEO Tim Cook lowered his estimate of the company's first quarter revenue and blames it in part on Donald Trump's trade war with China. On the streets of China, Apple's iPhones are a hard sell. For the first time in 15 years, Apple is cutting revenue expectations. CEO Tim Cook telling CNBC the trade war is a major factor. As we look at what's going on in China, it's clear that the economy began to slow there for the second half. And what I believe to be the case is the trade tensions between the United States and China put additional pressure on their economy. Apple stock sank fast. Apple shares are on pace for one of the worst days in history. Down 10% today and pulling the entire market down on concern the trade war is slowing the Chinese and global economies. President Trump tweeting, we're doing well in various trade negotiations currently going on. At some point, this had to be done. Meanwhile, his economic advisor says U.S. companies doing business in China are paying a price for the trade war. GM, Ford, Boeing, Caterpillar and Starbucks stocks all sliding today. You look at U.S. multinationals, that it's natural that you know, their profits, if to the extent that they're generated in China, would be going down. Still, many customers in China and at home say they simply can't afford an iPhone priced at $1,000 or more, choosing cheaper Asian brands instead. The question tonight, has Apple outpriced its customers, or is the trade war really starting to bite? Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. In Health Matters tonight, a study of newborns shows how DNA testing can help head off health problems later in life. The genetic testing revealed hidden health risks, allowing doctors and parents to begin treatment earlier than ever before. Queer Stetson is a happy two-year-old and a pioneer. One of the first babies in the U.S. to have comprehensive DNA testing right after birth. While Cora seemed normal, doctors found she had a genetic risk for a vitamin deficiency that can cause cognitive defects and seizures. She might have had struggles down the road and we just wouldn't have really known what those symptoms were from. Cora is part of a groundbreaking study of newborns that analyzed nearly 5,000 genes looking for the risk of disease. Rare forms of everything from cancer to heart problems to severe skin conditions and hearing loss. Researchers found nearly 10% of babies tested were at risk for a condition that could be treated early. You're identifying disease risks which are actually actionable, which we can do something about. But Dr. Robert Green says the sensitive genetic information needs to be handled with care. Although this is a simple blood test, the analysis is very complicated. And if it's done right, I think can unlock clues to the baby's health future that we've never really been able to explore before. 
Cora's family is grateful for the information. She's now taking a simple supplement that is preventing a lifetime of health problems. As a parent, you just want to do everything that you can do to keep your child healthy, and this is part of it. Langley family is speaking out tonight, hoping to raise awareness of the difficulties often faced by families with special needs children. As Catherine Urquhart reports, they claim their son's service dog was denied access to a popular trampoline park. Extreme Air Park is a popular indoor trampoline business, but the Langley location is facing criticism. Danica Dot claims that Wednesday night they refused access to a service dog, which belongs to her 11-year-old brother Kai, who has autism. We are approached by one of the staff members, and the staff member told me that the dog was not permitted. And I said, okay, um, she's not going to be jumping, she'll be in the waiting area. Um, they said no, the management said that wasn't allowed. Danica says her mother came and picked up service dog Rosie, videotaping this confrontation with staff. I've talked to both our managers, that's the owner. We just don't allow it just in case somebody has an allergy. Danica says she and Kai stayed at Extreme Air and enjoyed the trampolines, but she's speaking out to help educate people about the importance of service dogs. I felt like Kai's disability wasn't valid and that the way the employee kind of left me in limbo, wouldn't let me talk to a manager. For its part, Extreme Air Langley declined interviews. Uh, sorry, you guys, you can't bring that in here. In an email, the company said, the incident arose from a dialogue about the dog going onto the trampoline area. Service dogs are welcome, and we do our best to address and accommodate all our customers' needs, including those requiring special care. We work on these situations, so uh, we will be uh, speaking to the company involved. In fact, we have spoken to them, and we will follow up, and we will see that they make improvements so this doesn't occur again. In B.C., the law is clear about service dogs. If you're denied service, report the business, which can be fined as much as $3,000. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Yeah, a paraglider's wife screams in terror as he is picked up and thrown over the edge of a cliff by a dust devil in New South Wales. Luckily, he'd been preparing to launch and was fully strapped in. He was eventually ejected from the twister, regained control. The glider still on the ground, though, also had to hang on for dear life until the dust devil passed. And miraculously, no one was seriously hurt. That is scary. All right, did the oldest woman who ever lived cover up an incredible lie? The world record controversy coming up right after the forecast. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell back with us with a look at what the next few days hold after today's deluge, Yvonne. Yes, and depending on where you are, winter wonderland, areas near Whistler for the mountains and stretching into the interior, upwards of 50 centimeters, but it'll be much calmer and a bit of a break in between systems for tomorrow. Right now, though, still heavy rain at times, a mild one at 9 under the airport, a southeasterly wind at 26 kilometers per hour. And this is the wave of moisture that'll still continue over the next three to four hours, but it'll ease up as we get closer to 
towards the midnight and some instability along the western sections of the island with the risk of a thunderstorm this evening and continuing for the morning hours. Here's what we are still seeing. So a rainfall warning in effect, an additional 10 and up to 20 millimeters for most areas that we're seeing in green. The rain will ease off overnight. It'll taper off. We are looking at a chance of showers for tomorrow and the snowfall still very heavy for the overnight and then much later as we get towards the noon hour. Sea to sky lesser amounts. The concern will be along the Rogers and Kootenai Pass. A winter storm warning remains in effect with the Rogers Pass of seeing close to an additional 50 centimeters. Along the north coast tomorrow, it's a chance of showers. Inland, the flurry activity picking up two and potentially four centimeters. Much of the central interior, it's light snowfall. The Columbia and Kootenai will see that transition over to rain or wet snow early on. Thompson, Okanagan, though, some beautiful sunny breaks tomorrow. Highs closer to six degrees for Kamloops. Whistler will see that transition or wet snow with temperatures just hovering the freezing mark. And along the island, a risk of a thunderstorm for the morning hours for western sections near Tofino. We're looking at a chance of showers. Another mild one tomorrow with double digits for Victoria up to 10 degrees. And our five-day forecast across Metro Vancouver. We will still see rainfall tomorrow, but much lighter in comparison to what we've been tracking over the last 24 to 48 hours. And then Saturday, the next system pushing in will be late in the day. Heavier rain on Sunday. I anticipate that'll be the wettest out of the weekend if you're making plans, but quite mild leading into the weekend. Tonight's weather window, a beautiful shot that was taken in Bridge Lake from Crystal and her family. Guys? Oh, love Bridge Lake. Beautiful mm-hmm. spot. Thank you, Yvonne. Up there in the caribou. All right, an international scandal has erupted over a French woman in the history books as the oldest person to have ever lived. French documents say Jean Calment lived to be 122 years old before she died in 1997. But two Russians, a mathematician and a gerontologist, now claim they have evidence showing it was actually Calment's daughter, Yvonne, who assumed her mother's identity to avoid inheritance taxes after Jean's death in the 1930s. Yvonne would have been only 99 when she died. French officials are calling the accusations ridiculous. They say it's an argument to exhume the bodies, if you can believe it, to try to settle the mystery. But French authorities are having none of it at the moment. What did you say? A lot of Canucks fans holding their breath right now? That's what John Shorthouse said. I said Uh it's the greatest fear of Canucks nation Mm -hmm. to see Elias Pedersen down on the ice. Okay, so yesterday... Uh, Elias Pettersson basically had one of his best days ever as a hockey player. Perhaps one of his best days ever as a person. He was named Rookie of the Month for December. He was named to the NHL All-Star Game. Then after all of that, he scored his first ever hat-trick against Ottawa, including the winning goal in overtime. Tonight, Pettersson has had one of his most painful days as an NHL player or a hockey player, if you like. He is out of tonight's game against Montreal after injuring his leg in the second period. The Canucks are not sure how bad it is. It's still too soon. He did skate off the ice under his own power. Now, it started good for Elias Patterson. In fact, he had a chance to score again. Intercepts the puck on the cross-ice pass. It's a breakaway on Carey Price, but the deke doesn't quite work. Just misses. But at that point, he was still okay. Okay, Victoria's Jordy Ben. And this one will bounce in off of Pedersen, perhaps an omen, and not a good one. So that made it 1-0 for Montreal. This is it right here. Pedersen and Kotkaniemi 
get tangled up. But if you see on this other replay, you can see how the right leg of Pedersen bends the wrong way. Oh, no. Right there. Oh, no. That's not good. He was down for a while. But he did get off the ice under his own power, but didn't put a lot of weight on his right leg. Didn't come out for the third period, obviously. Uh, and didn't play the rest of the second either. Jonathan Drouin has a breakaway, and he scores. That made it 2 to nothing. BC boys hurting the Canucks tonight. Anaheim Lakes, Carey Price, look at this glove save. Right in front, Bo Horvat rips it. But the leather too much from Carey Price. It's 2 nothing in the third. It was a matinee game in Toronto. There's Mitch Marner running the Leafs gauntlet, and then seven seconds into the game, he scores on Minnesota. And then Marner will score again, and the Canucks will face the uh, Leafs next on this road trip. It's uh, John Tavares, back to Marner, and it's 2-0. But the Leafs couldn't hold their lead. Minnesota would win this, and the winning goal was in the third period. Zach Parise. As the Leafs give it away, Austin Matthews, and 4-3 the final for the Wild over the Maple Leafs. Well, now that Canada is out of the World Junior Hockey Tournament, who do you cheer for? The underdog, of course, would be Switzerland, who is facing Finland in the semifinals. But maybe people locally should cheer for the U.S., since there are two Canuck prospects on the U.S. team, including Quinn Hughes, who is the next one for Canucks Nation. The Americans have a tough game against the Russians in the semifinals. But I could also say that the other way, the Russians have a tough game against the Americans. Because over the last few years, the country that has raised its game the most in hockey, both in juniors and the pros, is the United States. This clearing attempt got blocked right back into the the USA has won more gold medals at the World Juniors over the past decade than any other country. They have three of them, one more than Canada. And one of the reasons for the American success has to do with the offensive skill of their players. Working on stick skills is emphasized and encouraged at an early age, and it's become a big part of who the Americans are in hockey. More bullets in a gun, right? I mean, it allows you more options, and I just think that's the way hockey's going. You're going to have to be able to make plays, you're going to have to skate, uh, and you've got to do it at a high level and play both ends of the rink, and um, they're allowed to do that at the program, they're allowed to do that in a grassroots level, they're trying to really focus on skill development at an early stage, and I think that helps as you get older. Here's Johnny Gaudreau, cuts off the boards to the slot with a drop pass to Lindholm, up front to Gaudreau, scores! We see it in the NHL with the likes of Johnny Gaudreau, Austin Matthews, and for a longer period, Patrick Kane. My goodness! Kane was one of the first high-profile players to get his training at the U.S. National Development Team program. That's where USA Hockey chooses the best teenagers in the country to train and play together. The results have been outstanding. That's where consensus number one 2019 first pick Jack Hughes is currently playing. Probably the amount of hours we spend. Um, I mean, we have shooting rooms, and when we're not in the shooting room, it's, it's working out. And then, I mean, we're skating two, three hours a day. Um, it's hockey, hockey, hockey there. Yeah, I think I've seen huge strides for a lot of guys. Um, you know, that's why you go there. It's a development program to get better and develop. So I think um, in the two years he's, he's been there, he's gotten better uh, on the ice and off the ice. The skills are part of the USA's success, but as any Canadian knows in hockey, there's other important factors too. 
we do have a lot of skill, but we also apply that skill with hard work. And I think that's what's kind of got us this far. I mean, the first few games, we just tried to let our skill take over, and it, it wasn't pretty hockey. So for us now to play with play with heart and play hard, I think it's, it's it, it brings out the best of us. Barry Delay Global Sports. Marquee battle, English Premiership, Liverpool, Manchester City, Sergio Aguero. Top corner, close in, 1-0, 40th minute. Roberto Firmino will tie it for Liverpool. Towards the back post. Elderton. Stooping header. And then Man City gets it back. Leroy Sané. Sané. Great shot. Posting in. Man City beats Liverpool 2-1. Look who's back in San Antonio. 6-7 forward from San Diego State, number two, Kawhi Leonard. Where's the love? Where's the love? No love. DeMar DeRozan, the former Raptors, slamming it down on his old friend's head. Kawhi Leonard. And Toronto being outplayed right now in the third quarter by the Spurs. And then some, 86-62. I have to show you this. This is an owie. Oh. Okay, that's uh, a young man named Blaze Meredith trying to block a shot. I mean, he succeeds, but uh, he almost knocked off his block. But he's okay. He returned to the game despite splatting on the window. He's all right. Tough kid. Oh, yes, I didn't he is. see it in the first time, but he gets a bit of a boost off the shoulder. Yeah, he did. He, 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 I mean, that, that's, that's some serious hops if he got yeah. way up there. But yeah, yeah, he got a boost off. But he didn't break his nose. He didn't get a concussion. I think he should get player of the game, even though I think they lost him. Get player of the year. I agree, just yeah. for that. We'll see that one in place of the year. Yeah. Oh, that's already in. That's already in. I guarantee it. <laughs> This is your snow report for this very snowy January the 3rd. Whistler Blackcomb just picked up close to 40 centimeters of fresh powder, bringing it up to 235 centimeters of snow on the ground. Sasquatch just picked up 31 centimeters, whereas Revelstoke picked up 25. Whitewater only two, but a good snow base of 175 centimeters of snow on the ground. Big White has 168. Sun Peaks, 141 centimeters of snow. Kicking Horse picked up 22 centimeters of fresh powder. Coming up on ET Canada, we get you ready for this Sunday's Golden Globes as Carlos sits down with host Sandra Oh and Andy Samberg, plus Keanu Reeves' new sci-fi thriller. And hey, is Bill and Ted coming back? That's coming up at 7 right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Chris and Sophie. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Cheryl. Well, the first ever picture of the surface of the far side of the moon from a spacecraft that made history today. A Chinese probe sending back the photo after making the first soft landing on that part of the lunar surface. Miguel Almaguer tells us what we know about the secretive mission and what China hopes to learn from it. Tonight, a stunning new view captured by a Chinese rover. An up-close look at the far side of the moon. The Chang'e 4 spacecraft landing an unmanned rover that will probe the lunar surface that perpetually faces away from Earth. Humans have never been there, says the chief project designer. This is trailblazing. Blasting off a month ago with plant seeds and tools to analyze the unexplored, scientists hope to learn more about the moon's composition. While the U.S. has landed 12 astronauts on the moon, no one has ever walked where the Chang'e 4 is set to traverse. 
This landing of Chang'e 4 is a huge advancement for the Chinese space program. It's a very difficult accomplishment and one that no country has ever done before. With plans to send astronauts to the moon, tonight China is trailblazing a path that's out of this world, offering us all a new view of a familiar sight. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Second. That's a cool show. Did they celebrate with a Pink Floyd album? I feel like you'd have to, wouldn't you? Dark side of the moon, even if you're mm-hmm. not of that vintage, I think you still got to bring it on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And it was interesting to see the Queen guitarist writing the two New Horizons for the other yeah. big space. I know Brian May is not just a great musician, he's also like a doctor of astrophysics That's right, or something. Yeah. It's like, They're all wow. really well yes, educated they, in they, Queen. Well, right? in the movie. That's where I learned it from. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think the drummer, Roger Taylor, uh, was almost a dentist or something. something and the other like guy that. was studying well, engineering. None of them were meteorologists, though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Let's check in with uh, Yvonne here for one more look at this wild weather. Well, the deluge will let up, uh, but we are still going to see heavy rain through this evening. And then it'll ease off for tomorrow. We're looking at a chance of shower. Still a wet day, but not as wet in comparison to today and the day before. And then Sunday, the wettest so far out of the weekend. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Did your mom enjoy her birthday yesterday? She did. That's good. Did you, <laughs> where'd you get her? We're just stretching it out. Yeah. <laughs> well... <laughs> Okay, you don't, have to, tell, you don't have to tell. Honor, no, we don't have to tell us all. Happy yeah. birthday! No, don't have to tell us. Isn't that enough? That's a good. Good night. <laughs>